keep that in front of you. We're going to pray, think what the Lord Jesus is saying to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we do pray that we'd have that very much in mind, that these words are the, the words of Christ. Father, through what I preach in these coming moments, please, would your spirit be at work that we might hear your very words to us. And we pray, therefore, that you would give us hearts that are appropriate for the occasion, humble, attentive, desiring to to listen. We pray that you would shine a light into the areas of our life that that are dark, that, that need light. And we pray that we would discover such help, such grace, that we might live more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you've been with us over these last few weeks, then you know that we've been looking at this uh, sermon of Jesus, this, this teaching of Jesus as he re-establishes, uh, re-proclaims the kingdom of God. And, and he's told us who it's for. He's told us it's for the spiritually desperate, that those who know that they can do nothing to earn any favor with God, those who are poor in spirit, hungry. And he's also told us what life in this kingdom is like. You love those outside of the kingdom, love your enemies, Jesus said, but you also love those in the kingdom. Do not judge. And as Jesus has been teaching all of these things, he then comes to the end and he wants to impress upon us the importance, not just of hearing, but doing what he has said. He finishes with two illustrations, and they convey how essential obedience is when it comes to Jesus' teaching, the importance of obeying Jesus' words. We're going to think about this morning. Two things. First of all, obedience reveals your heart. Listen to verse 43. Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. I'm no uh, gardener whatsoever, really. That's very much Laura's uh, department. But I imagine this could happen, couldn't it? You, you could plant something. You, you plant a bulb, and on the label it says uh, a daffodil. Okay? So you plant the bulb, and a few months later it sprouts, and then it begins to flower. But instead of a large, deep, kind of yellow petals, you, you see a smaller flower, uh, and it's blue. It doesn't look like a daffodil, it looks like a bluebell. Now, if you're stubborn and you're a slightly dim gardener, you might say, wow, my daffodil's turned into a bluebell. It's a miracle. If you're a normal gardener, you'd say, oh, they mislabeled the bulb in the shop. I'm, I'm sure that the bulbs don't look anything like each other, and if you're a trained gardener, you would have known just by looking at the bulb. But there's the illustration. You just deal with that. But the idea is the flower reveals the bulb. It was always a bluebell. The fruit reveals the tree. And Jesus is saying that's how it is with us. Our external deeds and actions reveal who we are. Christ-like actions, Christ-like fruit, point to a Christian. Absence of Christ-like fruit suggests not a Christian. And Jesus makes it even clearer in verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
You see, if over time we consistently produce thorns, we consistently lie, we consistently erupt in anger, we fail to be generous, we're judgmental and assume the worst about everyone around us, if over a lifetime we constantly want revenge on those who hurt us, we never do good to our enemies, we let lust rule our eyes and our actions. We're, we're prayerless. If we keep producing thorns and evil fruit, Jesus says, it is likely that you are a thorn brush. It is likely that your heart is still evil. Or, or put it another way, despite what we might say, if we keep producing thorns and evil fruit, we are not truly part of Jesus' kingdom. And so, yes, obedience matters because it reveals our hearts. Let me put it stronger. Our obedience, our good works, are necessary for our salvation. Now, I know to some that if you've been well-grounded in Christian teaching, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? Our obedience, our good works, are necessary for our salvation. Because rightly, what you're thinking is our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are saved by faith in Jesus, not by the good works that we might do. And that is absolutely right. But our good works are still necessary. They are necessary not as the basis of our salvation. They are necessary not as the grounds of our salvation. You see, our obedience is not the cause of our salvation. We are saved by trusting in Jesus. No, they are necessary as the evidence of our salvation. I'm not sure if this illustration works, but I'll try it out. It's a little bit like a passport. You see, a passport isn't the thing that makes you a citizen. It is evidence of your citizenship. Being born in the country, having parents who are born in the country, maybe passing some tests or whatever it might be now, that those are things that, that actually are the cause of you being able to be a citizen. The passport is the evidence. And it's necessary. If you want to get in and out of the country, you need that evidence that you really are a citizen of that country. And so it is with the Christian and obedience. Our, our obedience is necessary as the evidence of our salvation. No obedience, no changed heart, no heart that is trusting in the Lord Jesus. If there are no good works, if our lives do not display Christian fruit, it means that our hearts are not Christian, not trusting in Jesus. So yes, our, our, our works, our obedience are necessary as evidence of our salvation. Now, I want to get to some caveats in a moment, but we don't want to rush past what Jesus is saying here because it is strong, isn't it? You may call yourself a Christian. You may have been around church and Christian things for a while, but there is no lasting fruit in your life. There's not obvious obedience to Jesus and his teaching. There is no joy in the Lord or conviction of sin. No patience, no generosity, no love. If that is you, you need to wake up, hear Jesus' words, and pray. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, change my heart. I don't want an evil heart. Lord Jesus, I want to trust in you for my salvation and life. 
Your obedience or lack of reveals your heart. Some of us have tender consciences. Some of us are prone to doubting our salvation when we have no real need to. So let me reassure you with a couple of things. Part of our obedience to Jesus, part of the good fruit, includes our repentance. That is, we are going to get things wrong. Sometimes we'll disobey and fail to keep Jesus' words. But what does the good heart do on those occasions? It confesses. It repents. As someone put it, Jesus doesn't demand perfection from us. He doesn't demand that we never sin, but he is looking for obedience. And repentance and confession of sin is part of that obedience. And here's the other comfort, that Jesus can take away the thorns. There's a wonderful image in Philippians. Paul talks about Christians standing before Jesus, filled with the, 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 or surrounded by the fruit of, of righteousness, the fruit of, of good works in their life, surrounded by a life of obedience. It's like having a room in your house filled with all the medals and, and trophies that you've achieved. I say a room, a very small shelf, uh, it would probably do me, a little grade four flute certificate on there. But the idea is that our lives would be filled with good fruit. Good fruit that will surround us and and crown us when we stand before Christ. Good fruit that points to good hearts that have been renewed. But here's the problem. We still produce thorns, don't we? How, How can Paul say that we will stand before Jesus crowned with the fruit of righteousness when, when we still have thorns in our life? Because Jesus takes the thorns. He lived a life that produced the most wonderful and beautiful fruit that any human being has ever produced. And yet he died. And when Jesus died, his head was crowned, covered with thorns. The one whose heart was always good was crowned not with the fruit of righteousness at his death, but with a crown of thorns. He was crowned with my thorns, so that one day I will stand before him crowned with the fruit of righteousness. There will be bad fruit in our life, but if, as part of our obedience, we confess and repent, Jesus can take away that bad fruit. So obedience matters because it reveals our hearts. And I want to suggest two responses. First, Take responsibility. Take responsibility for the bad and for the evil fruit that is in your life. Uh, Listen again to what Jesus says in verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. You see, where does the evil come from? Where where does the impatience, the selfishness, the faithlessness come from? the, The laziness. The filthy language, the prayerlessness, where does it come from? It comes from an evil heart. Evil things come out of an evil heart. I'm sure there are other factors. There always are other factors. There's tiredness and there's stress and there's sickness and pressure and provocation. There's Satan. But you gave your lustful eyes what they wanted to see. 
You bad-mouthed a colleague behind their back. You were grumpy and impatient with your spouse. Take responsibility. And when you do, you discover the liberty and joy that comes from owning our sin. Because then you can do something about it. You can confess and plead to the Spirit to help you put to death the evil that still remains. First response, take responsibility. Evil things come from an evil heart. Second response, fill your heart with goodness. Again, listen to Jesus. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. You see, the good things that we do, conversely, flow up from the good stored up in our hearts. So store good treasure in your heart, and then your reaction and your instinct and your natural inclination will be towards goodness, Christ-likeness, rather than evil. And I think it's more than simply thinking, look, Jesus was patient with me. I better be patient with my wife. Start there, that's no bad thing. But go deeper than that. Feast on Christ. Fill your heart with his goodness. Use the images and the stories of the Bible to make Jesus vivid to your heart. Next time we're in Luke chapter 7. We're going to get three encounters between Jesus and the sick. Uh, Jesus and the suffering and Jesus and the excluded. And you see his heart and it is wonderful. He listens, he understands, he heals, he restores, he welcomes. And what he does for those three, he does for us still. Fill your heart with, with an understanding of who Jesus is and fill your heart with the words of Jesus. His promises, his wisdom, his commands. You know, when someone is so committed to something, a football team or whatever, there's that saying, isn't there, if you cut them, they bleed, Southampton Football Club. Or if you cut them, they bleed, Chelsea. Well, fill your hearts with Christ, with the words of Scripture, so that when life cuts you, you will bleed Christ-likeness. And you will get cut. You don't have to live long in this world to realize that, do you? Hard things will happen. Horrible things will be said to you. And you want to be storing up such goodness in your heart that when you bleed and when you react in those situations, you bleed Christ-likeness. There was a couple in a previous church that Laura and I were part of. They're called Terry and Rosemary. And they'd been married a number of years, and they were very faithful at church. Then unexpectedly, Rosemary suffered a stroke. She survived, but she lost a lot of movement down one side. And the way they reacted to it, you could tell that they had stored up treasures of goodness in their hearts. Because goodness continued to flow out from them. Good fruit surrounded them. There's no bitterness. They were at church week in and week out, morning and evening. And you, you knew they were there because Terry had one of those, those voices that you could hear above everyone else. Often he'd kind of linger a little bit when everyone else had finished as well. And after the stroke, you still heard his voice above everyone else. They opened their home to others. They had people over. Terry had to learn how to cook. Rosemary was always more concerned for others, always at prayer meetings or women's meetings or calling people on the phone. 
You see, fill your hearts with goodness so that when life cuts you, you bleed Christ-likeness. Obedience matters because it reveals your heart. Take responsibility and fill your heart with goodness. Obedience matters because it reveals our hearts. Secondly, obedience matters because it reveals our foundation. Jesus has been saying that our outward works reveal our inward hearts, and that is true. Over a lifetime, you can tell a lot about someone's heart by how they live. But it's also possible to look like a Christian from the outside, or better, it's possible to sound like a Christian, but to have no living relationship with Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You can sound like a Christian. You can get your theology right. You can say the right things. Jesus is Lord. But if you fail to do what Jesus says, your Christianity is hollow. It is empty. And Jesus illustrates the point with one of his most well-known parables, the two house builders. And the point is this, from a distance and from the outside, both houses look the same. It's like going around one of those kind of housing estates built in the 60s or the 70s. Every house looks identical. Same shape, same contours, maybe you get a different colored front door. But the outside, they all look the same. What you can't tell is what is going on underground. One of the houses has foundations made of that kind of crumbling concrete that's shutting down schools. You can't see that. So it is with those who claim to follow Christ. Two people will say to Jesus, yes, I believe in you. Sure, your Lord, your King. And on the outside, they look like Christians. They sound like Christians. But only the one who obeys Jesus' word has a solid and real faith. The other has no foundation, no real faith. Verse 49, the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Our obedience reveals our foundation. And our lack of obedience reveals we have no foundation in Christ. If we don't do what Jesus says, we don't really believe that Jesus is Lord. We might go to church, we might say our prayers, we might sound like a Christian. You might come along to the kind of membership matters course that we run at Redeemer. And you might hear about the doctrines and the truths that we share on that course. These are the things that we believe in, that we proclaim. And you might say, yes, sign me up. I believe. But if you, do, if you don't do what Jesus says, then you don't really believe those things. You don't really believe that Jesus is Lord. There was a video doing the rounds on Twitter the other day, and it was a CCTV of a cafe um, with, with some outside tables on, on a pavement. And, and there were couples sat at these different tables. And then someone walks along and they try and snatch a bag from one of the women sitting on her own. And she fights this attacker for a little bit. 
But, but what's interesting is what happens on another table. A couple are sat there. And the man sees the attacker trying to snatch this bag. And quick as a flash, he gets up and he runs off. And he leaves his girlfriend behind, fending for herself. Now, I'm sure he said to her lots of times, I love you, I think you're amazing, I want to spend the rest of my life, I'll I'll do anything for you. But in that moment, it all gets revealed, doesn't it? The thief showed up, he left his girlfriend to fend for herself, Well, you know that all those words were empty. You don't really mean it. You don't really believe that Jesus is Lord unless you do what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? See, our obedience reveals our foundation. And actually, the real challenge to this comes when Jesus commands us to do something that we don't want to do. Because you might be thinking, do you know what? I'm doing okay at this. Jesus says, go to church. Well, here I am. I make it along most weeks. He says, pray, and I pray. He says, give money, be generous. Well, I do all of that. I'm doing okay. Jesus is Lord, and I do what he says. No problem. And that is wonderful and brilliant, but what happens when Jesus tells you to do something that you don't want to do? What if up until now you've obeyed Jesus because basically you've agreed with what he is saying? It's good to love my enemy. It's good to give money away. I'm on board with that, Jesus. I'm happily will obey you there. But then in his word, he commands you to do something you don't like and you don't want to do. What happens then? Do you trust him at that moment? Do you think he is Lord in that moment? There's a brilliant scene in one of the Narnia stories, Prince Caspian And uh, the the main character, Prince Caspian, is looking for volunteers to go and find the lion, Aslan. And Trumpkin, who is a dwarf, has already said he thinks this is a bad idea. Let's not waste our time looking for Aslan. But then he agrees to go on this mission. And Caspian is surprised. "Why, Why are you going? Well, listen to what Trumpkin says. You are my king. I know the difference between giving advice and taking orders. You've had my advice, and now it is time for orders. And he obeys. And that says something, doesn't it? It says at the end of the day, he trusts the authority and the rule of Caspian more than he trusts his own intuition. When we obey Jesus, and we do what he says, even if we don't like it, it reveals a deep trust. We trust Jesus more than we trust ourselves. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, And do not do what I say. Don't just sound like a Christian. Live like a Christian. So our obedience reveals our foundation. Are we building our lives upon Jesus? And we need to be clear on that now, before it is too late. Because one day the foundation of our life will be revealed. Verse 45, the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. One day we will all face a storm, a storm or a flood that will shake our very lives to the core. And only the life that is built on the foundation of Christ will stand. One day we will all come before Jesus 
we will all give an account of our lives and those not trusting in Jesus will be swept away. And there will be some on that day who will discover at the worst possible moment that their faith was actually empty. They will say to Jesus, we called you Lord. We went to church. And Jesus will respond, why did you not do what I said? It's a terrifying thought, isn't it? But you know what, wonderfully, I think Jesus gets us ready for that great storm by allowing us to experience smaller storms and smaller floods that show up the quality of our foundation. Here's another sign that I'm getting a bit old. I've started listening to a podcast, and it's almost exclusively about the Second World War. And in a recent episode, they were talking about logistics. I don't care about logistics, but they were talking about logistics, talking about how new things were made, new weapons, new armory. And they would say, look, you have the design and the development stage, but then you've got to have the testing stage, bringing a new tank onto a battlefield. You've got to test it. Does the gun work? Is the armor strong enough? Is it going to break down? You want to make sure that it is combat ready before it goes into the field. Jesus will let us face trials and testing to make sure our lives and our hearts are judgment ready. In his providence and care, he will let us face those times of tragedy and pressure and heartbreak and sickness and suffering and persecution. And as painful as those mini storms are, they are mercies from Christ. Because they will begin to show up if there are problems with our foundations. They show up whether our faith is genuine or not. It is easy to say, Lord, Lord, when life is going well and no sacrifice is required and you are surrounded by comfort. But what happens when your life gives way? Do you think Jesus is Lord then? Do you trust and obey Jesus then? Or is your response more anger and outrage and disbelief? Jesus wants us to be judgment ready. And in his mercy, he will send many floods into our lives so that we can see before that final day whether we are building right, whether we really are building our lives upon Christ. Obedience reveals our foundation. Don't just sound like a Christian, live like a Christian and do what Jesus says. As we close, Jesus began this sermon, this teaching, by singling out people who are listening. And he ends it in a similar way. Are you listening? Do you do what I say? I hate flying. It doesn't help that when you get on a plane, one of the first things they do is tell you a scenario where everything goes wrong. This is what happens if it all goes wrong. And the air stewards will, will go through the steps, how to do all you can to survive. And you look around. And most people, well, they've got a book in front of their face, they've got a screen in front of their face, maybe they've got some kind of earphones in. They're not really listening. Kind of life-saving words, but not really listening. You know, I know, I know that they probably know it already. They're very relaxed. It's fine. 
But it is similar for us as Christians. We may think, I've heard it all before, I don't really need to listen. But this morning, this very morning, Jesus has been teaching us life-saving words. We must listen. We have to do what he says. Are we listening? Are we building our life upon him? Obedience matters because it reveals our heart, and obedience matters because it reveals our foundation. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Remember, quiet, and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have much to be hopeful for. That those who do profess faith in the Lord Jesus and truly repent, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are united to your Son. And none can break that bond. Father, please, may that give us great assurance. But we pray that we would never be passive in our faith. That as the Spirit works within us, and as he prompts us and enables us, and we wouldn't just hear Jesus' words, but we would do what he says. Where we find disobedience, Lord, help us to confess, help us to repent. And we pray that more and more, the instinct of our heart would be to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus. When life cuts us, May we bleed Christ-likeness. Praise in his name. Amen.